When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. GRPC is an open source remote procedure and call system. This was initially developed at Google back in 2015, so not long ago, around four or five years ago. This protocol uses HTTP2 as an underlining transport mechanism, and it uses protocol buffer as the message format. We talked about both of those technologies in this video. I'm going to reference the videos here, but in this video, I want to discuss the following. I want to talk about the motivation of gRPC because this is the first question that I ask myself when I started researching this technology. Why does it exist? This question pisses me off because I do not like technologies that exist without a reason. And guess what? There is a reason for this technology. It's a pretty good reason. So we're going to go through that. So the motivation of that. I'm going to just explain a little bit of about client-server communication, some historical stuff here, REST, SOAP, uh, GraphQL, WebSockets, things that already exist. And why didn't we use just existing stuff? Why didn't we have to go and invent new things? Then I'm going to talk about the core problem that we have today and, and, and languages have today communication have today which is client libraries we're going to talk about that a little bit okay then we're going to talk about why grpc was invented to solve certain problem okay then we're going to dive deep into grpc as i and as i start talking you guys you guys are going to start seeing uh, some time codes so you can jump to the interesting part of the video you don't have to hear hear me babble about stuff just look at the time code and I'm going to always always publish it at the first comment and pinned, so you can just jump to the stuff you, or you're interested in. You don't have to, to watch the whole video. Okay, so I'm going to talk about gRPC. We're going to talk about a unary gRPC. What is that? The, the traditional request response system, really, which is very, very popular. Okay, so the, the modes of gRPC, you can play at this request response, which is very popular. You can play a, a server streaming model, like you're watching YouTube, for example, and so the server is always sending you information, but the client doesn't ask for it. Okay, you can flip it, client streaming uh, model, where the client's sending a lot of information, but the server doesn't respond. Uploading a file, as an example, right? And a bidirectional web socket, right? Chatting, right? So you can. They sat down and did all of that stuff, guys. They they solved every single problem that you might have. Okay. And then we're going to talk about coding, which is this This is what most, what most people are interested in. We're going to start from scratch project, okay? And Node.js, I'm going to use JavaScript for uh, both the server and the client. We're going to build a little bit of to-do application because there, uh, there aren't enough to-do applications on YouTube, so we need another one. Okay, obviously I'm, I'm being sarcastic here. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the meat and potato pros and cons because guess what? There is nothing on life that is perfect okay anything that has pros gotta gotta have some cones if you have like a beautiful 
pretty gorgeous girlfriend or boyfriend, he could be psycho or she could be psycho. So watch out for that. Okay. I am tired of new protocols. You might say this question. It's like, oh, can I just write my own protocol? Jeez. Why should I just, why people keep inventing protocols? I'm tired of them. I'm going to talk, talk about why you shouldn't really invent your own protocol because some big company actually did and they regretted it and we're going to talk about the example and finally we're going to do a summary if you're interested to do all that stuff stay tuned if you're new here welcome my name is hussein and in this channel we discuss all sort of software engineering by example so if you want to become a better software engineer consider subscribing and hit that bell icon so you get notified every time I upload a new software engineering video and I specialize in backend. I notice myself proxies and TLS and security and, and protocols and things like that. That's my specialty. If you're interested, stay tuned. All right. The first topic here, guys, is the client server communication. And you guys know about this. If you have been, if you lived in early 90s or mid 90s or early 2000s, you must have used one of these protocols, right? SOAP was very popular, simple object access protocol. And, and there was one problem that they got wrong and people abandoned that for, for that reason. Okay, so it's almost like a uh, RPC, right? You, you establish a communication between two parties, client and server. The client has to have a library that understands SOAP. The server has to have a library that understands SOAP and XML. The client and server has to agree on a schema, right? How would the messages that I'm going to send looks like? Wisdle, right? And they communicate with each other, right? People love that. Some people hated it, mainly because of the bloated XML. But still, people hated it because of the schema as well. Let's not forget that. Because people, not everybody like to use a rigid schema. That's why Roy Fielding came up with the REST uh, representation of state transfer, make a stateless application, and you can choose whatever you want. JSON became popular because JavaScript became popular, and then just guess what? People started throwing JSONs everywhere. Because, and, and, and it was very easy. Because, hey, I am a client, I'm a HTTP client, send a JSON. I don't really need to think about how my schema looks like. Hey, there's a key name and the value, blah, string or date or whatever. I can do anything I want. And this made the barrier to entry almost nothing. And it exploded in popularity. Rest. Okay? So client-server communication. Everything is client-server. GraphQL noted some problems with REST and resources and start solving that as well. I'm not going to go deep into that. Uh, still, it's a client, almost like a request response system. It's almost exactly the same. It just minimizes the number of requests that you make by doing server-side rendering, server-side essentially uh, grouping of stuff instead of having you to make multiple requests. And I make a video about, uh, I made a video about GraphQL. Go check it out. Uh, those three didn't solve certain problems, which is, what if I, my server is actually sending me information, or my I need uh, bi-directional communications, not just a request response, right? So these didn't do it, right? People have to invent something that is bi-directional, right? WebSocket was invented, right? And, and it's, it's a, it became a standard, and it's in every single browser. So you can start using WebSocket, but yeah. WebSocket doesn't have a format per se. It just sends a bunch of bytes. You can do anything you want. 
And yeah, the idea that you can do anything you want became also popular. That's why WebSockets popular. People like flip flexibility. Server-side uh, eventing, same thing. The server sends information to the client, right? And instead of bidirectional, it's just almost like server sends information to the client. WebSockets, a bidirectional client and server. And we talked about WebSockets in this channel. I'm going to reference the video here. So you go check it out. Some people didn't like any of that crap. So they invented their own protocol. Databases, right? Most databases invent their own protocol on top of raw TCP. So because, they, hey, you say we, we like a TCP, send a bunch of binary, it's bidirectional by default. I don't need to use your 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 protocol, right? I, I just want to get and define my own protocol or message format and everything. That people use raw, raw TCP. An example of that is Redis. Redis uses a RESP, I think. They invented their own protocol and they packed into TCP in a, in a in a very compact way. Okay, so... A lot of people use that as well. So it's open, right? But here's the big problem, guys. No matter what you choose as a communication, REST, right? GraphQL, SOAP, raw TCP, you have your client that sends this communication and your server that receives those communication have to agree. How do they agree? You need a client library. Guys, REST API. If you want to build a REST API, guess what? What is your client library? It is the HTTP library. And if you're lucky and you're building a web application, you just saved your time, right? You do not need a client library because who's your client in this case? You guessed it. It's the browser. The browsers are the biggest HTTP client library on existence, right? And you might say, Hussein, what, what, why do we care? Client library, right? It's a big deal, guys. Having a client library is a huge responsibility because, yeah, if it's a browser, you don't really care, right? If, if you make a fetch request or, or an XHR and you, you call a browser method, the browser actually is establishing the HTTP communication with the server. It it negotiates the protocol via ALPN. It does the TLS for you. It it, it makes sure that the server actually supports HTTP 2. If it doesn't, it falls back to HTTP 1. It does the headers. It does the streams. It does everything for you. And so you don't have to do anything. You just make your ski request, and that's it. Your get request, your post request, and the browser takes care of it. But guess what? What if you are not on the browser, which is you're a Go application, you're a Python application, you're a JavaScript application on Node.js on V8, right? Guess what? You need an HTTP client library. You need a SOAP library. You need a library that understands the protocol you communicate in, right? So in order to do that, you're responsible for the HTTP library, and you, you must have done that. If you're building a Python application, you import whatever, the request. Someone is maintaining that, right? It's not for free, right? 
So the request or curl, for example, similar thing. Someone is maintaining that. It's make sure that it establishes TLS. It makes sure to understand TLS 1.2. It makes sure to understand TLS 1.3 negotiation if you're communicating with HTTPS. It makes sure to negotiate ALPN, application layer protocol negotiation, HTTP2, and the future, HTTP3, which is quick, right? It negotiates all that stuff, right? It is a lot of work. Client libraries are a lot of work. And that's what happens, right? A lot of people will use HTTP and a client library on C-sharp, for example, and they will build their own application and their server is actually a REST API, and then they start building that stuff, but guess what? Now they want their server is upgraded to HTTP2, and their client library is built by someone who just uh, just decided to ditch the library and no, no longer maintains it. Guess what? Your client library is still using HTTP 1.1. So, you do not take advantage of things. If there is a security problem, Nobody's fixing your security problem with HTTP client, right? So that's the problem with client library. They are hard to maintain. You need to patch them. If there is a new feature, you have to add these features to your client library, right? There is a C-sharp HTTP client library. There is, there is a, a, a Java HTTP library. There is a Python. There is a JavaScript. There is any language must have HTTP library and it became popular. So a lot of people built it, but still someone need to maintain it. So HTTP client library is the worst. WebSockets the same. You need a library that understands how to talk in WebSockets, right? The, if you're using browser, problem solved. Because someone else, Firefox is maintaining your library. Chrome is maintaining your library. Brave is maintaining your library. But if you're on your own, building your own Python application, then yeah, you have to build it yourself. Which kind of sucks, doesn't it? So that's the problem. And there's where gRPC came into existence. It's okay. We can't go on like this. Every time we invent something new, there are a lot of client libraries that comes with it. gRPC, which is developed by Google, a lot of people say that it's short for Google or RPC, but uh, some people say, no, it's not. And I hate when people does that. It's just like, yeah, it's just time for gRPC. Uh, whatever. So, yeah. So, what they did is like, okay, we're going to standardize the whole thing. This is the second attempt. People tried it in, in the 90s. The soap failed. This is the second attempt. And I think people are succeeding, right? There are still problems, but still, I think we're succeeding here. We're going to unify the client libraries. Google or whoever maintains gRPC project is going to build the client libraries for gRPC because guess what? It's a new thing, right? It's a new client library because we're going to use the HTTP2 protocol, right? We need a client that understands how to talk HTTP2. We need a server that understands how to respond HTTP2. We need a server and a client that understands protocol buffer. And we talked about protocol buffers. They are on schema, kind of binary format. And they said, let's solve this problem. We will build gRPC for you guys. We're going to build it for you. If you use Python, here's the code how to generate it. Just reference this, and guess guess what? It's gonna build it on the on on, and we're gonna maintain it. If there's a bug, we're gonna fix it for you. Someone else is maintaining that. It's kind of like the browsers, if you think about it. Okay, but it became this thick thing, right? Thick library, because now it needs to understand HTTP two. Because, and this, this is also hidden 
from you guys as as a as a client and server because in the future if google or or the open source implementer decided to say uh, http2 is dead let's move to http3 guess what all your client application will just magically work because they are hiding this from you. They are hiding this the fact of HTTP2 backend from you. They are hiding this stuff. Yes, it's stateful protocol, but yeah, they're hiding this stuff from you. So if you, the moment you upgrade your client, right, you use the latest version, you just immediately use that, right? And because it uses a protocol buffer, it's now language agnostic. So if you have your client is Python and your server is Go or C Sharp, they can communicate because the, the protocol buffer, that's a property of the protocol buffers where they are language agnostic, right? They are language neutral. That's the correct word. Where you build, you compile the proto file into a binary format. And when you sense binary format, it is binary format. Who cares? When you receive it, you deserialize it back into native representation whether that's python or javascript or c sharp or whatever right so you can communicate with that so that's why grpc was invented it solves the biggest problem with a client library and i believe that is the main reason grpc was invented okay and you can start seeing some good and bad about this let's talk about the modes of grpc there are some modes some um Modes of communication with gRPC, and they are very, very important because they are trying. Remember, this is going to be one client library, one protocol to rule them all, right? So it better do everything that WebSocket does, better do everything that SSE does, better do everything that RISC does, better do everything that GraphQL does. So how do we do? How do we make sure that it actually does that? Well, these are the four possible communications. Unary RPC. That means a request response. A client makes a request to the server, synchronously wait, and then the server does some processing, maybe calls another service, maybe query a database, maybe just calculate something in memory, right? And then responds with a result. So a request response, you can do that. And we're gonna show that example. Server streaming, that's another mode of communication where a client make one request to the server but the client is expecting a lot of data to come back as a result not just one response multiple response a stream of response that will just flow from the server to the client example a youtube video you're watching you make one request to the page but a flood of data is coming back from the server to the client i'm not saying that youtube uses grpc in the front end Right, but it's just an example of things you can do with server streaming. Right, so the client gets essentially a handle of this and says, "Hey, he listens to an event on data received. Do this, and every time the server sends the data, the event gets triggered, and then you get the data. Just like WebSockets, exactly like WebSockets. If you built those client streaming, exactly the opposite, where the client is constantly." sending information an example is you're uploading asynchronously uploading a huge file right so a, a, a huge uploading a huge file is basically it's going to take a long time so you you better upload a stream you connect a stream with a server and then just write to that stream hey 
chunk one, chunk two, chunk three, chunk four, cha -da 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 -da, until you're done. This way you can also stream some progress and do all that fancy stuff. And server can optionally respawn or not. Depends up to you, right? If it finishes all everything, the client can send, hey, this is the last request and server is like, okay, I'm done. I got everything you know. And bi-directional streaming, both of those guys communicate with each other in an ad hoc manner. Chatting is an example. Like gaming is another example. If you're using step uh, lockstep approach, right? Because the lockstep approach is very chatty, right? Unlike the server authoritative model. Right, so that's another kind of use case. Coding time. Let's do this, guys. Okay, so we're gonna. I, I tried to come up with the simplest uh, example for gRPC, and I decided to do a to-do application because, yeah, it's very easy, right? It's just very easy to understand, and it's not so simple like the examples that are in the gRPC website, which is hello word, which confused me actually more. If you. <laughs> I, that might be just me, right? But I was confused more when I saw that. So like message and server, hello, why would... Yeah, it, is, it was very confusing to me, right? Yeah, it sounds... It was way too simple that it actually confused me. It, yeah, it was that bad, right? So we're going to do an application, a server, and a client using gRPC to communicate between the two guys. And what we're going to do is the client is going to call a function on the server called create to do which will create a to-do list like hey do my laundry hey uh take my dog to bath take a bath and whatever right all the walk my dog uh, all these things right and the server will actually write that to i don't know i'm gonna write it to memory but you can do it in the database as well i'm gonna write another method using uh the unary this is also unary grpc which is request response Right? When you make a request, you're going to get back, back, get back a response with a to-do and an ID. Read to-dos. We're going to do it synchronously here, where I'm going to make one request. not going to send any information, but as a back, I'm going to get all the to-dos that I have currently on the server. And that's also powerful. But there are some limitations to that because you'll have to build all the payload all the to-dos and send it as one request. That could be expensive and slow. That's why I'm gonna also do a server stream model where you make one request and the server streams the to-dos, like one, two, three, four, and the client, every to-do you receive it, you can do something with it, right? So we're gonna do all these kind of things. If you're ready, let's just jump into it, Philip DeFranco. All right, guys, so let's use Node.js and Visual Studio Code to build a server application that will host my to-dos. They will have the method called create to-do. They will have the method called read to-dos. And a client, obviously, to actually consume that stuff. I'm using the same language, JavaScript, on both, but you can as simply use Python as a client and server as a backend. And maybe I'm going to make another video to do that. Okay, it's it is because protocol buffers is a language uh, neutral. You can actually do that. Okay, it's a property of protocol buffer. How about we jump into it? Let's build a new protocol. Protocol? <laughs> no, let's not build a new protocol. <laughs> let's build a new folder. JavaScript Playground, create a gRPC. Right, just a new folder, and then open that folder. And then let's go ahead and initialize npm. So let's go ahead and initialize npm just to get started. Uh, npm init-y, brand new project. 
brand new everything. And uh, here's the first thing we need to build, guys. We talked about protocol buffer. I'm going to reference the video, guys. But this is the communication, right? Because if you're building something right between the two using gRPC or protocol buffers, you have to build this proto file, this schema, right? So that's what we need to do, right? Let's go build to do the proto, okay? And then what we need to do is specialish a syntax equal proto3, okay? Because that's the latest and greatest protocol buffer version. The next thing we need to do is define a package name. And I'm going to call package, let's call it to do package, right? And the reason I'm doing that, I named it package so we can know that if we received it in the code, we know that this is the package. And this package will include multiple services. You can build multiple services here, okay? And in this example, we're going to build one service, right? And this service is essentially the to-do service, which will serve our to-dos, right? So we'll, be, we'll have methods in our service. So how about we build that? In order to build the service, you specify the keyword service. And we're going to call it to-do capital letter here, okay? And there's a service called to-do here. And the first method, which is the called RPC, we're going to create our first method. And what's the method we said? We're going to call it create to do a single to do okay and that takes some parameter and that returns some parameter as well some return thing okay what is the return type that we expected here we expect to return one single to do item right so we can call it uh we can create a message called to do item right that makes sense right and what's in this item an item has an id right and this is integer 32, id equal 1. And it's also have a string text, which is, this is the id, like a, you're, maybe you have a, you have a column on your database that you store the to-do with an identifier, right? And then you have a text that essentially identify the actual to-do item, do a laundry, whatever, right? And this is 2, okay? And what we want to do here is to return a to-do item here, okay? Because that's the thing. We're going to create a to-do. We expect you to send me the to-do text, basically, right? So it's just literally a text string, nothing more, right? So we can define another message, right, uh, called, like, just text. Or we can actually use this. Because why not? We don't know the ID when you send it, right? But we can just use a minus one as just thing. Or you can as easily just create another message called just text, right? That receives a text. Okay, that's cool. The other thing we need to do is we're going to create another method called read to do's, okay, with an S, right? And this thing doesn't actually take anything, right? Just d doesn't take anything because, hey, just give me all the to do's I have, right? And this returns to do items with an S, right? Which is another message that's called to do items. But guess what? What is the type of the message itself? There is a to do item type called items or to do's, right? That's exactly what we have here. And this is obviously equal one. But... Remember when we talked about protocol buffer, this is 
an array. How do you do array in protocol buffer? Repeated. That's how you do it, right? Cool. And here's the th the the ugly thing about protobuf, right? They don't. There's nothing called no parameter like void and C, right? You have to specify actually a message that is no param or void. Let's call it void. Literally, just that does nothing, right? And then specify that. Make sense? So that's essentially, we have the service call to do, we have a package to do, which could have multiple services. I just have the one, right? We have two RPC methods, create to do and read to do's, and we have a void message for some reason. And the to do item, ID text, and an array of to do items. How about we actually build this thing? This is now proto file, right? And remember, guys, when we talk, discuss the proto, proto buffers, we talked about all this proto C thing that Google maintains and the, uh, the open source community maintains that compiles the proto into your favorite language. Guess what? gRPC uses something very similar that actually uses the protocol compiler that actually simplify your life. It does all that stuff for you, which is awesome. Okay, because remember, it, it took us a while to figure that out, the proto C and figure out which one to download for your for your operating system. It does all that for you, which is awesome. All right, we have a proto file. That's not enough. Let's build our server. Server.js. This is the server. So you, you're expecting some listening to be happening here. We're listening to a server. Time for the libraries. What are we going to use? We're going to use, obviously, a library called gRPC. And we have to require, because we are node, gRPC. So we have to install it, which we will do in a minute. Okay. Another thing we're going to use is something called a proto loader which is the exactly the same thing we discussed with protocol buffer. You have to compile the proto into a bunch of JavaScript files that will actually have your schema and the getters and setters for your schema, right? And for your Python, does the same thing. For c -sharp does the same thing, right? Proto loader does exactly that for you. So we're going to do require. I think it's called gRPC proto loader. Ah, there is a dash there. There's a dash, <laughs> proto dash loader, okay? All right, so we have that. How about we actually install these two things, right? Let's so quickly install so we get IntelliSense, beautiful IntelliSense, right? Ampam install gRPC and at gRPC slash proto dash loader. Go ahead and install it for me, okay? Did we get an error? Why did we get an error, sir? It says refusing to install with gRPC under a package. Ugh. All right, guys, we did a mistake. We should have never named our folder the same as the uh, the same as the gRPC, which is something Node doesn't like. So go ahead and just re go ahead and rename our folder to something else. So that all right, guys. So I renamed my folder. I renamed my package.json. Hopefully now it's not gonna yell at my because I installed the npm install grpc at grpc proto dash loader. Ooh, finally. All right, so we have installed the necessary library. This actually uses proto.js, uh, which actually does the compiling for you, which we're going to show in a minute, because that's the next step.
We need to basically compile this stuff, right? So how do we do that? All right, so first thing we need to do is we're gonna create something called a package definition, which will use the proto loader, right? To actually load synchronously because I'm not in the mood to do then, 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 then catch, right? And we can pass it the file name of the proto file, which is called todo.proto. I really recommend you guys uh, uh, watching the protocol buffer files. And here, just pass an empty object. You don't really need to specify anything else. This is the initial uh, configuration that tells you, hey, how do you want me to treat case-sensitive schema versus how do you want me to treat long and nine arms? Ugh. Use the default. You, most of the time, you're going to no, not use any of that stuff anyway, right? So we're going to take a package definition file. Now that's not enough. We're going to load that package definition into a gRPC object, right? gRPC object. So the whole goal of this is to actually obtain the package that is this, to do package. We want that package as an object, right? And to do that, we need to go through a lot of humps in order finally to get it. So what we're going to do is use the grpc dot something called load package definition. And you're going to pass it the package definition, which you just got from the protocol buffer file. And that will nicely load that package with the scheme and all that fancy stuff. Now, finally, here's how you go get the to-do package. We can declare to-do package grpc dot basically dot to-do package. Just like that. Just like that, we got the to-do package as a package. Now we can instantiate the service. We can get access to the messages. We can get access to everything. Now we got the actual protocol object, the full object, right? The package, which we have access to everything inside. Next thing is, we're going to create a server. How do we create a server with gRPC? We're going to create a new server, equal new gRPC.server. And that's just... It's cap. So once we create the object server, well, if we know a thing or two about servers, servers have to listen to essentially a port and an address. So what are we going to do? Server the bind, bind it, bind it to what? Zero, zero, zero. And guess what? There is no protocol that we need to define here. Just listen on every single interface. You can you can listen to the local host if you want to. But here, you use this if you have an external IP address that you also want to listen to. And which port are you going to use? Eh, I'm going to use 40,000, whatever, right? A port that actually, hopefully, no one is using. And when you do that, when you're listening as a server side, we're using HTTP2. Guess what? HTTP2 by default needs credentials. It needs to be secured. It needs, that's one of the goals, right? But gRPC allow you to bypass that. And to do, in order to do that, you can do dot server credentials dot create insecure we want just an insecure one i'm gonna make another video to actually discuss how you can make a secure one using essentially the create ssl which you pass in the certificate and we're gonna do all that stuff hopefully create unsecure for that just let's just use unsecure one right which means the communication between my services will be plain text but who cares okay Server to bind. That's the first thing. Remember, guys, these two lines of code have no idea about your service. So how do you actually tell your server about what services you're using? And we built one service, remember? 
and it's called a to-do. How do I give my server a service? Hmm, is there something called ad service? Huh, how about that? We need a service definition. And from where we get the service definition? There is a package, right? And there is dot to do, which is the service, right? Dot to do, which has to be the case instead, I think. To do dot service, because the whole definition of the service, you need the actual service object, right? So that's what you do. The second parameter is actually interesting. It's a JSON object, right? Because you're adding a service that has a bunch of methods, right? This is the method. Method called create to-dos and method called read to-dos. Well, where are your methods, son? Right? You have a bunch of methods, but you didn't map them to something that you have existing here. So, well, that's fair. So we need to create a function called create to-dos. And it does not have to be the same name. You can give it any name you want. But for consistency, we can do it there. The key is the name of the service, the, the method here. And the value is the actual method object. Okay, it's a function. And the second one is what? Read to do. So I'm going to copy it and gonna create a function called read to do's that doesn't exist yet but that's no problem because we're gonna create read to do's all right sweet and here's the thing about functions that use grpc right so almost we, we're, we're building that structure guys we're building it almost there let's finally do server.start which will actually start listening and do all that fancy stuff how about that guys okay Right guys, make sense so far? That makes sense, right? Let's just do this so you can see the whole thing. We're listening to the port, we're adding the services, now we have a mapping, we start listening, so we can actually start listening and a client can actually communicate and do stuff with it. But here's the thing, our methods are empty. They are, they are not doing anything. Methods in gRPC always took takes two parameters. Some, an object called call, the call that made it's not an actual request, it's the whole call because you got access to the whole thing, the TCP connection, whatnot, the whole thing. And a call back that you can use to send back response to the client because that's the client, that's you sending information back to the server. So we can call, this is essentially a function that the client will be listening to, right? Same thing here, call, call back. And for simplicity, we're just going to do console.log and uh, do call here, right? Just we're going to print the call that we, we get back here. So we can see stuff before we actually implement those stuff. All right, guys. I can start listening that right now, but there's nothing to actually consume that. But how about we run it and make sure we don't have any errors. Start debugging. And we got an error. It says cannot read property to do of undefined. Ooh. Well, first of all, this should be gRPC object, not gRPC, right? Let's start that. There you go. That was it. <laughs> all right. So now we're listening here. We're ready, guys. We're ready. 
And I'm gonna put a, a breakpoint right here so we can listen and, and capture this thing, okay? That's the server. How about we create a client? Client.js. The client.js is exactly the same because it needs to understand the proto. It needs to understand everything, right? It needs that object, the gRPC object, and the package, and the service, and all that jazz, right? So we need this line of code. Exactly. Paste them here. Okay. We need them. But the client actually connects. So when the client doesn't listen, right? The client actually connects. When to connect, you need what? IP address, port, because it's cell, it's CCP, right? So what we need to do is to create a client object. Equal new client to do package. What we're going to create, we're going to create an object of the to do service. And by doing that, we need to specify two pieces of information here, right? Which is what is your port? An IP address, localhost. I'm listening locally. And what was the port? 4,000, 40,000? Yeah. Was it 40,000? Yes, 40,000. Right. You can as simply did, did localhost as well. That works as well. Right. But here I'm communicating to the localhost, or you can use the IP address, or you can use the host name. Okay. And similar thing, we need security. So you have to tell it specifically that, by the way, I am actually, uh, the my credentials is insecure. But you don't use server credentials. This time you use client credentials. So it's kind of different uh, metadata. Okay. So gRPC credentials that create insecure. And just like that, we have a client. And what do clients do? Well, they can call methods. And just what, guess what? By doing that, so we can call create to do. And the create to do function, if you go to this definition, what does it take? It takes a to do item. And what does it look like? It's a it's an ID and text, a number and a string. Well, and that's the beauty about this. I love this so much. I don't need to create a fan, uh, inter intermediate classes or anything. Just passing an actual JSON, gRPC will understand what you mean. It needs an ID? Sure. Minus one. Because, again, I'm not creating the ID. I'm, I'm about to creating the whole item. So I don't know the ID. And... Uh, What's the other property? Text? Was it called text? Yes, text. So, ah, let's call it laundry. Do laundry. Right? Create one item, and that's it. When you when you call this function, you take two parameters. The first thing is what you about to send. The second thing is a function that takes two parameters. The error and the response from the server. Okay? So, the error is actually what happened. If there is an error, the response actually what what the server what what the server sent you what sent back to you. So so you can do console.log received from server. Uh, you can do uh, json.stringify response because I don't know what I'm gonna receive from the server. I'm, so I'm just gonna print it directly. Got it, guys? Makes sense. Cool. So we can that good that sending an object. That's it. How about we actually test this beautiful client, huh? So the client wasn't that hard, huh? Let's do it. Let's do it. So what we're going to do is I'm going to listen on my server here. So my launch.json is actually listening. And my client, I'm going to go to the terminal and undo this. Guys, 
I'm going to do this. Let's clear this. Clear. Clear. I'm going to do node client.js. Just execute my client. And the moment I executed my client, the client started doing all that stuff and called the create to do method. And it actually, here's the breakpoint. So what did we receive from server? This is what we received. Receive a call object. This is the call object. And there is a request. That's the request. And the request is the actual object that we exactly sent, which is an ID and a text. How beautiful is this, guys? And this is all compressed binary format. Obviously, you cannot see it, but it is. So you can just take our word for it and take, take the value. And then how about we store this somewhere, right? Let's just start storing all this beautiful uh, stuff that we receive from the clients, right? So I'm going to create to-dos array. And then just like that, I'm going to do uh, to-dos.push call.request because the whole object is what we want to store, right? Right? Because request will be an object of ID and name. No, we do not want to do that, right? We want to create a to-do item, right? Object. And what will be the ID of this item? This is a brand new item. The ID is dot length plus one. And the name or the text is actually the call dot request dot text. And then I want to push this puppy, right? To that, to the array. And just like that, we built the array. But and if I if I push something here, this is gonna be initially this will be zero. So zero plus one is one. The, the first item is one. The second item will be two, and so on, right? So I'm cheating here. I'm also using a database. I'm just using a memory, and that's that's just an example, anyway, guys. Probably you shouldn't do that, but you get the idea, right? Just showing you the basic building blocks of things here. We got the to do items, and that's it. I push it, but. We didn't tell the client that we actually are done. So how do we call the client back? That's how we do it. You do call and you specify the length of uh, how big is your, essentially, is, is your payload. Just say null because it will be auto-calculated. Auto if you do null and then you send back the to-do item, literally just send it back, okay? Sweet. What did we do? When, when we say we, uh, the client will receive something, the client, the response will be, this function will be called, right? The client to do. This function will be called. The response will be called. And we're going to print whatever we receive from server. How about we do this thing and make sure that it actually works? We're going to do node client.js. Send one request to the user, and we got back ID one text do laundry. Let's do it again. Wow, this guy, my wife really wants me to do the laundry. I'm not doing that. Look at that. <laughs> the same text all over again, right? Obviously, guys, you can do something like that, right? So like, cause uh, text equal whatever process dot argv. Is that what it's called? So one two right two will be essentially the third parameter which will be the actual text so let's try that Blech. and then oh the server is down i think that's why we didn't get back anything from the user 
and let's send walk dog we get it right it's clear node.js node uh, client.js and send i don't know laundry yes i'm not gonna add a space because this is gonna screw up with everything <laughs> but you get my idea right and i don't know study that's another to do right blah Right, so we're sending to-dos and the server is storing those to-dos, but how do we read them to-dos, guys? How do we read them to-dos? How can we read them to-dos? Well, same thing. Client.read to-dos. And read to-dos literally takes nothing. I don't really care. So you can send empty object because this is the void thing we talked about, right? And it takes back a callback, which is the same thing. Error and response. And when someone calls bank, you can do this. Can exactly do this. Blah, blah. Good. Just, just print whatever you receive from the server. So I'm expecting this function will retain all the entire array of stuff. How do we do that? Remember, we didn't implement anything in this function, right? And. Uh, what we're going to do is the return the whole array, which is probably not a good idea, right? If you're building, it's like if you if you had like 30,000 to-dos, you don't want to return them blech, because that will be a lot of processing on your back end and will be extremely expensive, right? So you want to stream them to the client and let the client acknowledge them every time you receive something, right? We're going to show that, but let's do the boring stuff first. Call, I uh, don't really need to do anything with the call. Because I'm, I'm not expecting it. I just need to send back the user, right? Which is literally just call back null. And what do we want to send? We're going to send back the whole array. But you can't send the array like that naked because... Can you guess why? Because it's expecting an item of type to do items. So, you need to send an object which has a to-do items object key, and you send the to-dos here, right? Because that's an object. That's what is expected. The schema have to be exact, did, match. Let's see if we screwed up, guys. And gonna do laundry. Boo, failed, void, <laughs> unexpected token void. I have a feeling that I shouldn't have used the word void. Maybe because it's reserved. So, no params. I'm going to call it void no param, something like that, right? All right, guys. So, the problem here is this object has to match this guy and the to-do items. Items, right? Not to-do items, should be items. That's the trick here because that's the actual object inside. Now, let's run and test this thing. And I'm going to sleep. <laughs> and I need to read. Nice, nice. Get another thing. Uh, walk the dog. Nice, we're getting this and this and that. That makes sense, guys, right? Because like we're writing, we're getting back an array now, which is awesome. We can do this array, take it, and 
play with it, loop through it, do anything with it really. Because that's what we do with the client, right? The client can just literally take that and we can we can actually play with that. So let's not just do that, right? We can we can do this. Response dot what are we expecting back? Dot items, right? Dot items dot for each I and then do console.log text. Just print the text, right? Let's see. That should just work normally, right? All right, so that's just an example that you can actually loop through it, do stuff with it, right? Cool stuff, guys, but this is, again, this is the bad idea where you take the whole array and shove it down the client's throat. How about we actually do the streaming where the, stream, the server actually streams stuff back to the client? How about we do that? In order to do that, what we need to do is define a new function. And we're going to call it read to do's stream, right? And what we're going to stream back, not an actual repeated array, we will return back a stream of type to do item. That means it's like you get one item at a time, right? But it's streamed to you back. So that's the first thing you do. Okay, the client have to call it and the server has to map it, right? So let's map it in the server. In the server here, this method is this method, which doesn't exist, obviously. So what we're gonna do is function, create this, and same thing, this call and a callback, right? But there's some magic here that we're gonna do. It's a stream. And the function, the, the client here, what it does, it literally says client dot, we're gonna call it, call the same, function but here's the difference it's not a callback anymore because you're not expecting something back as a callback function you are getting some a call object right and then do we need to send anything nah we can just send nothing right when you do that you can start listening to events guys here on the events on and when the server sends data you just Take the message, which is essentially, guess what? It's an item. And then you can do a console.log if the server sends me some data, received item from server, and then you can do bless, bleh, json.stringify item, right? Receive this item. And at, at one point, the, the server will end the communication, right? So you need to define the end protocol, which is essentially just, uh, this does nothing, right? So yeah, console.log client done or server done, I think. Yeah, server done. This is the communication on the client. How about the server? Where is my function, the server? The server is called read to do stream. And what we're gonna do here is use the call that we got back from the client, this call object, and we can write directly to it some call cool stuff so how about we do that right so what are we gonna do we can we can literally just do to do's dot for each and for each t literally do call dot write t write it back son write it back and when i'm done guess what call dot end just end the communication between the client and the server so that's 
a better approach. And you can you can write something and wait for the client to process for a few, I don't know, milliseconds and then write it again. And then this is a beautiful way for streaming, right? Because you can measure things. You don't shove everything at the client's throat at once. You actually take it slow with the client. It's like a first date. It's the first date. Guys, take it slow. Take it slow. All right, let's do the client here. What does the client do? Ooh, the client is going to do a lot of stuff. Boop, 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 boop. We're going to do a Node.js. Let's do a read. We're going to get an error. <laughs> oh, what did we do? Oh. This is wrong. It says, ah, okay. I guess I think I need to protect this. Sometimes this could be null. So we need just to, we need to just protect this in case this is undefined. Right? Because it could be, right? If there's nothing. If it's not undefined, then do this. Right? All right, we're reading. We're sleeping. We're napping. Cool. We're getting something from the server, right? We're doing all that stuff. Receive item from the server. Receive item from the server. And then server done. So we're receiving information and we can just commit this function, guys. We don't have to call this million times, right? We don't really need this. All right, so now if I do this, let's do walk the dog. That's what we got from the server. We got receive item from the server. One, two, three, all of them. We're receiving it one by one, right? And this is the item for, for the actual write, right? That's what we write. Okay, so... This is pretty cool, guys. This streaming idea is awesome. So you can stream stuff from the server back to the client, right? And then whenever you're ready, you can display this item. I'm going to reference the code, guys, for you. So you can check it out and just feel free to use it, right? And uh, how about we go back to the slides and finish this course? All right, guys, are you ready for the pros and cons? So we did the code. Took us a while, but we built a server on gRPC. We built a client on gRPC. And we communicated with the with them between them as a unary protocol, as a as a as also a server side streaming protocol, which was awesome. So we built a nice to do list application, which is like a very basic stuff, right? From that we can build more and more cool applications and you can start thinking about that how about we talk about the pros and cons of grpc because guess what nothing's perfect let's do this so the first pros is actually it is fast and when we say that word fast i know it's not just a marketing word right it is fast because of a reason it's compact right we're using protocol buffer so everything is a binary format so we're not sending json across the wire we're sending actual the the this slimmest format possible which is the binary and http2 actually compresses even more so it's actually smaller and smaller which is awesome that gives us the speed right when we communication because if your payload is small then you don't have to do this extra round trip on tcp because your mtu maximum transmission unit has a limit which is i believe it's for the internet is 5, 512. What was the MTU? Let me give the actual number. 
So I'm reading 1500 bytes, right? So that's the MTU. So the, the less this happens, the better, because you can transfer everything in 1500 bytes, which is awesome, right? Instead of going and doing another round trip to transfer the rest of the data, right? This is expensive, right? So the co most compact, the faster, right? And this is the most important thing. It's one client library. And when I say one, it is one per language, right? And uh, it is essentially that language, every language you use will have very similar gRPC client library that maintains maintained by Google and other uh, companies in the community, the open source community that manages the gRPC protocol. So if you have Python, May you make sure you're going to use the gRPC one client library. You don't have to maintain it. Someone else is maintaining it for you. Okay. So every security patch, every upgrade, every feature, everything, you get it for free, which is awesome. So you don't have to maintain it yourself or just rely on a third party client library like SOAP or REST. Even REST, there are many, many HTTP client libraries, right? And that diversification can lead to problems. Because if you have so many stuff, right, you, it will be hard to manage, manage essentially. So one client library and uh, this client library, essentially there's multiple versions for every language, almost every language, right? You can build the progress feedback, right? Because there's server-side feedback, server-side streaming. You, uh, for features like upload, for example, you can add a progress bar, something we, uh, you couldn't do as easily with REST, right? You have to do some certain pinging and, and, and fetching and polling in order to do this progress. Like, hey, I'm uploading a three, 30 gigabyte file. How do you do up, uh, a progress bar? You can do it with gRPC, right? you can essentially simulate it because the server actually can send you information, sends you streams. With HTTP2, which is the main protocol for gRPC, you can actually cancel a request, something you can never do before. Canceling a request was impossible because what does it mean to cancel a request, right? Because how do you, how do you know, know in a stateless environment, it's impossible to do that, right? That's why gRPC is obviously stateful, right? If I make a request, HTTP tags every request with a stream ID. And when it does, the gRPC can actually, if you want to cancel a request, you can tag the same stream ID, says, hey, I want to cancel that. So the server actually can possibly hook into that cancel event and Obviously, you have to write the code to cancel whatever that means, right? Close the connection or give up trying or do something, right? You have you you have to be you have to write the code to cancel, but this gives you the hook to actually listen to canceling event. Okay, which is awesome. Something you can never do. With HTTP 1.1, it is impossible to cancel request, right? Nobody can actually tell you that. If someone tells you, hey, you can cancel HTTP request, they're lying. You cannot. You can cancel from the client. You can give up waiting. But the, the client, the, the request is still churning on the server, right? Because what the, what the heck does it mean to cancel? You just, it's there. It's a stateless, right? Because your next request will gonna go to another server. How would you know today? By the way, that uh, that server I sent, that request I sent, like three three minutes ago on server or whatever, go uh, nah, it doesn't work. 
HTTP2 and protocol buffer benefits just magically appear here. All the benefits for protocol buffer, compact, fast, all that stuff is here. All the benefits for HTTP2, streaming, bi-directional, push notification, right? Uh, the idea of compact compression, right? All of that stuff, you benefit from it if you use gRPC. Let's talk about the cons. What's bad about this? Nothing. <laughs> oh my God, look at that. The first thing, I'm not saying this is all subjective to my opinion, guys. So chill, okay? Schema, I think it's a cons. You forcing me to do a schema? I mean, yeah, it's, it's way easier than just doing plain raw protocol buffers because that creates classes and just ugly stuff like that, right? But still, I don't need a schema. I'm just building a REST API application in the day of REST. I didn't have to do any of that garbage. I just send a bunch of un unformatted messages and it's JSON and I don't have to specify a schema. And if, unless the client, if, the, if my client understands, just checks for a certain value, just reads it. I don't have to maintain a schema. I don't have to uh, maintain a proto file and a schema and all that stuff. Some people find this a turn off to be honest, right? A lot of people moved from SOAP to REST because of the schema. You forcing me to do a schema is not necessarily everyone. Not everyone is going to like that. I heard, I read somewhere that actually JSON can, uh, JSON, gRPC can actually work with JSON as a format. I'm not sure how, right? But that would be awesome. gRPC would be perfect in that case for this case. No matter what, you're maintaining a thick client. And that cl thick client, you have to make sure to update it from now and then. I mean, yeah, every time you run your application, technically, the proto-C file uh, is getting executed and compiling your stuff. I might be wrong there, but I don't know the implementation of, the, of gRPC every time you run to actually do you compile the proto-file every time. That could be expensive, but they could be. If they do that, then it's a thick client, right? You're maintaining this thick client that you need to patch. You need to continue add features to it. I mean, you're not doing it, but you have to make sure you you are responsible to update that, right? If something happens, right? And yeah, it's, it's just a, a client that sits with you. I mean, yeah, it is the same language as you, but sometimes you can use a language that is not supported by gRPC. Yeah. Guys, yeah, gRPC doesn't support all languages. There are certain languages that support, and I'm going to give you the list. C Sharp, uh, Go, I think, and JavaScript, Node, Node, and some uh, C, some, uh, some like, uh, not all of them, right? If you're using, like, Ballerina, for example, tough luck, right? Using gRPC. Proxies, yeah. Guys, remember? Terminate TLS terminating proxies. If you're using a layer 7 proxy that needs to look well and you're using gRPC, there's no way that this proxy, unless a proxy understands gRPC, I'm, I'm aware that some proxies are now. I know Nginx now added support for gRPC. HA proxy added support for gRPC. But yeah, not every proxy actually knows the gRPC. 
right? So proxies are still learning about this protocol. It needs to understand it. it. needs to terminate gRPC, which what the heck does that mean, right? Terminating gRPC and reestablishing it on the back end, right? That's why it's way easier just to use a layer four proxy with gRPC and just call it a day. You cannot hook into the gRPC request. I, I don't think it, mean, it make any sense to do so, to be honest, right? To actually listen to the gRPC request and do something with it, right? I might be wrong there. But yeah, proxies are still learning about gRPC, right? If you wanted to do at least a layer seven proxy, a layer four proxy doesn't have to, right? There's no problem because just it will tunnel the TCP request, right? The gr uh, the gRPC request with proxy, I think it will listen to the first request, and I'm not sure what is that exactly. It might be, it might be an ALPN, right? Because ALPN is part of TLS, right? Which kind of negotiates HTTP. Maybe part of that is actually tell, tells the, the server that, hey, by the way, I am gRPC. There's some sort of a header that tells the first request that, hey, this is actually a, a gRPC. So maybe the proxies will fall back to a streaming model when, when it does that. So it's still young. So there will be a lot of bugs. There will be a lot of stuff that is bad, right? You still, you'll you you'll have to follow up with support, right? If you run into a problem, you might not just find a solution in Google, right? Because it's very, 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 very young, right? If you have a bug, you might actually have to fix it yourself if it's not in Stack Overflow, right? Error handling still a pain, right? Because remember, it doesn't use HTTP codes, just like GraphQL. It doesn't use the raw HTTP codes to demonstrate anything. It uses, it, you, you have to build your own protocol essentially to maintain errors and good luck with that. It's painful, right? So you have to build essentially your own error handling and that is proved to be very, very, very difficult, right? Because again, this is like building a brand new protocol and I, I'm not sure what gRPC are doing to solve this problem, to be honest. And yeah, there is no support for browsers. There are some hacks. People use proxies, and then that essentially takes a request and arrest a normal HTTP request and make it into a gRPC to the backend, right? So debugging is so hard with this. You saw me what I was doing, right? It was just like I have to write a code to debug and run here and run the client. It was it was very difficult to debug because unlike the browsers, like if you're Building a REST API, just go to the network and see all the calls. It's very simple. But gRPC cannot run on browsers because it uses a protocol buffer, guys. And what the heck is protocol buffer have to do with websites? No, there's no schema on the web. The internet has no schema, guys. So, yeah, that's example. That comes back to this problem. I'm using the internet. There's no schema. It's a bunch of blob of HTML and JavaScript. So gRPC doesn't fit on the web. Unless you want to treat the whole thing as a blob, right? I mean, you can do that. Why not? But yeah, that's one of the problems. There is no support for browsers, which sucks. Okay. Maybe someone will do a solution for that. I really, really doubt it. Really, really doubt it. That was gRPC is going to come to browsers. It's not going to. It's going to. It's not going to happen, guys. And timeout. 
requests, guys, right? So if you are a client and you make a request, right? And if, if this is a unary uh, server response, request response, then you'll have to wait for a result, right? And if you're waiting, how long should you wait, right? Is this come back to the timeout, client timeouts problems and circuit breaking, right? Especially with microservices. Service A calls service B, service B calls service C, service C calls server D, and all of them are gRPC. Guess what? Service A is waiting for a result from service B, which waiting for a result from C, which waiting from D. And you're going to manage this mesh, essentially, the topology of the microservices yourself. And it's extremely complicated. Because what happens if one of them fail? And what if what happens if the if a request is taking too long, right? Or or yeah, should I continue waiting? Should I quit? Because all of this is resources that you have to manage, right? And PopSub doesn't have this problem. PopSub is actually good stuff, right? With PopSub, the client and server are decoupled, right? Almost like REST. You make a request because it's kind of a stateless, right? Rest, right? But PubSub is not really stateless, but stateless C, right? Where you push a message to a broker and the broker will listen, right? And will just shove the message and you're done. The moment, if your message reached the broker or the or the queue or whatever you want to call it, Kafka or RabbitMQ or ZeroMQ, that's it, you're done. You are done, Right? There is a subscriber that is responsible to subscribe to the broker and whatever the communication between the broker and the, the subscriber be, push or pull or long pull, that's another story. But they, they were going to get it eventually, right? So it's, it's better. I know I made a video about PopSub, guys. Uh, I want to go, go check it out. All right. Hussein, screw this. This is too complicated. I'm going to build my own protocol and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be coolish. Not cool, right? Because you you don't want to be cool, guys. Remember, this is the this is the spectrum of coolness. There's all the way bottom, not cool. There's all the way top, cool, and there is right before cool, there's coolish right? You will never want to be cool, guys. You're just trying too hard. The cool kids, the Gen Zs will just, yeah, they will not, they will see you. You're trying too hard. You have to be coolish, just below cool, you know, just like, yeah, just a trying, just just be coolish. Coolish is the state of mind. You want to be coolish all the time, right? So that's, that's what you want to do, right? Back to the point, okay? All right, so I'm gonna write my own protocol, Hussein. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna use my own stuff. I'm gonna use bitwise operators. I'm gonna compact all my messages in 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 64 bit, right? Just 64 bit. Everything I'm gonna shove everything in eight bytes, right? And and that's I'm gonna build my game using my own protocol. I'm not gonna use those garbage gRPC. Good luck. Go do it. Spotify did. Spotify built their own protocol from scratch. That is called Hermes. And Hermes is a, the messengers of God, the Greek God, right? If you play, play God of War, he's the fast guy, that one of the bosses that you have to kill, right? But, yeah, they did that, guys. And guess what? They end up using gRPC. Not because Hermes sucks. Hermes, 
was awesome. They built a badass protocol, compact everything. And they have their own protocol, their own method, their own error codes, everything. But guess what? They have to throw it all away because every employee that joins says, okay, what the heck is Hermit? I never heard of it. They just say, I have to learn this language. They have to just learn how to protocol. But the moment they leave the company, it's useless because, yeah, because nobody's using Hermit except Spotify. So, and plus, when they want to communicate with outside services, nobody understands Hermit, right? So nobody's willing to integrate with them. So integration becomes very hard. But it's a perfect protocol. And you can do that too. You can build your own protocol. But if you want to go with the wild and every everyone else, gRPC looks like it's the future, guys. I'm not going to lie. I'm a kind of a pessimist. But in this case, I kind of have to agree with gRPC. Bite the bullet, use the schema, and just run with it. If you're rebuilding microservices or internal applications that talk to each other, Use gRPC. I'm not sure about web application. doesn't really apply much, but you can build it as the back end. Yeah, so they moved from uh, Hermes to gRPC because of that, right? Because they were very isolated, their own bubble, right? Samari! Finally, we're done. How, how long was that, guys? Ugh. Three hours? All right, so we talked about the motivation of gRPC because guess what, guys? There's always a reason of doing anything and if you have a technology and i always struggle with this question the first question i ask myself if i see a new technology is why is it available why does it exist and if i can't answer this question i call bs okay that's just me i call bs because everything has to have a reason if it doesn't, if it, there's no reason for it, it was just like, oh, you gonna make my life three percent better? Blech, probably no. So yeah, that's the motivation. There was a problem with the current architecture, the client server, certain problems, and mainly it's the client library, guys. Just fix this problem that I have, right? I don't want to upgrade another HTTP library, right? If I have a desktop application that uses HTTP 1.1 client library on, on C-sharp, the moment I upgrade my server to use H2 or H3, I have to upgrade all my clients. And that's expensive, guys. Okay, what, what, uh, what library should you use, right? And, and you have to maintain this HTTP 1.1 and there is a security bug and there's, I don't know, HTTP smuggling bug that you have to fix. And then uh, it's ugly fixing bugs, right? So it's really hard. That's the problem with client libraries. So yeah, that's why gRPC was invented. For fix the client libraries. Get one client library to rule them all. We talked about unary gRPC, the client response. We're going to talk about server streaming. And we actually showed it. Client streaming, we didn't show it, but it's, this, it's the same thing. Just use a stream protocol buffer keyword on your on your request and that's it on the and let the server listen on this time right? not the client bidirectional you can do bidirectional as easy we did some coding we showed that all that stuff guys we talked about the pros and cons of grpc let me know what you think guys if i'm if i'm full of s right I'm trying not to swear here on uh, youtube I am tired of new protocol. We talked about that, right? It's just like, hey, I don't want to learn this gRPC. I want to go my own way. 
try, you can try, people try before you, Spotify tried, Hermes didn't go so well, right, it was going well, but they didn't, they couldn't evolve, right, and every feature that gRPC added, they have to add themselves, right, because they are alone, they are by themselves, and finally, we summarize the whole thing, guys, guys, what do you think of this course, what do you think of this video, if you like it, give it a like, share it with your friends, and I'm gonna see you in the next one, what should I make next? Write in the comment section below. And yeah, this video took me two months to research, right? And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy with the progress that I made. I'm pretty sure I missed some stuff. Do let me know if I said anything that is dumb or wrong because I'd love to be corrected if I'm wrong because that's how we all learn, guys. Gonna see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome.